Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Today we continue on with our series of thematic investing conversations for an update on opportunities within Pan American bonds. Joining us for the conversation today, glad to welcome back Alina Gallant, Senior Fixed Income Strategist for the Americas, Barry McAlinden, Senior Fixed Income Strategist for the Americas, as well as Donald McLaughlin, Latin American Credit Analyst, all from the UBS Chief Investment Office. Thank you for dropping by top of the morning. I do want to set the stage a bit for our listeners because I recall the three of you initiated the fixed income theme titled Short Duration Pan American Bond Opportunities. This was back in May, which we had covered at the time here on the podcast, and you recently published an update to that very theme. So Alina, to start, can you refresh us on the main investment case behind the theme, and are you more or less convicted in the theme as of today. Hi, Dan. Thank you so much for having us here. We're actually even more convicted in the theme today than we were in May. And the reason is that rates kept rising markedly over this time frame. From when we first published a thesis in May, the two-year Treasury rate is up 182 basis points and is now at 4.5%. If you look at the one- to three-year investment-grade corporate bond index, The yield on the index is up 200 basis points over this time and is now at 5.5%. So this means that investors can buy investment-grade corporate bonds with short-dated one-to-three-year maturities. They can hold them to maturity and essentially lock in a 5.5% yield on average. We haven't seen yields this high since the global financial crisis back in 2009. Now, of course, any investment in credit comes with credit risks, especially in a slowing economic environment. So what we tried to do as we updated this theme this month is pick a basket of short-dated bonds in companies that we feel quite confident in over the next three to five years. And the short duration of the bonds means that investors are taking on a lot less interest rate risk than they would if they were buying longer durations. So the theme is called Pan American, as you noted, and that is because we vetted and chose bonds both in the U.S. and in Latin America. And so the yield on our basket is a little bit higher. It's 5.7%. And we believe that's quite attractive for good quality companies, and we recommend it to buy and hold fixed income investors. Thank you, Alina. So maybe we can run with the idea of implementation a bit further specific to this theme. I recall the three of you compiled a basket of individual bonds and without mentioning individual securities, which we cannot do here on the Top of the Morning podcast. Barry, can you take a few moments maybe to walk us through what kind of industry sectors were chosen for your bond picks and any other rationale you might have considered? Sure, Dan. As Alina alluded to, I think one of the the main uh, common features of the bonds that we selected were that, you know, we believe they have strong issuer fundamentals and also, though, attractive relative value, because oftentimes issuers with the strongest credit fundamentals trade rich in terms of credit spread. So we look for a balance um, between those that we like from a credit profile point of view, but also where credit spreads, you know, we think offer some relative value. 
And in terms of their sector composition by industry, uh, for the U.S. domestic issuers uh, that we selected, uh, we did tilt the the selection to the large universal uh, U.S. banks. And, you know, we, we picked uh, three of, of the large U.S. money center banks to include on the list, uh, really because, again, that we, we consider them to be at the kind of the sweet spot in terms of uh, attractive, um, you know, balance sheet strength, um, but also spread levels that really uh, trade a bit wider than, there should, than they should. You know, given given that um, that credit uh, strength, and the reason why spreads tend to trade wider than they should, uh, really has to do with the the issuance that large U.S. banks come to market with every year, and in, in the primary investment grade uh, debt markets, uh, they've been very active. Um, last year was a record year in terms of issuance of of senior debt, uh, and also uh, this year has really just about matched, you know, last year's totals. Uh, in fact, when you look at the total um, amount of investment-grade bond issuance, which uh, in U.S. dollar terms is about $1.1 trillion year-to-date, uh, the large uh, U.S. money center banks, or so-called big six, comprise about 14% of all of that issuance. So it, you know, really is a, uh, a notable chunk of the primary market. And, you know, Given their uh, credit ratings, which are you know in that single A category, you know they, we believe they do offer relative value uh, compared to, to non banks with the same similar credit ratings, where you're just not getting you know quite as much spread. I'd also just point out um, issuers that were selected uh, you know within the energy sector, and these were Alina's picks. But the commonality there is that. Um, you know, the issuers are generating excessive free cash flow. And I think that's something you're seeing um, generally throughout, you know, the energy uh, and, and midstream energy sector. And with that cash flow, they're still um, being disciplined with their balance sheets, you know, after having gone through uh, the pandemic, as well as the um, kind of the commodity uh, downturn, you know, back in 2016. So, so still uh, exercising balance sheet discipline. So, Certainly, um, energy credits uh, fit that bill, uh, and and again, you know, their spreads are not quite as tight as you'd think they would be for a sector that is um, is targeting you know debt reduction. And and finally, uh, I did choose a U.S. auto company to put on the list, and I thought this was appealing. You know, obviously, the um, auto industry was facing. Um, Unique circumstances uh, coming off the pandemic in terms of you know supply shortages, in inventory uh, shortages, you know that uh, focused also a lot on, on uh, availability of semiconductors that actually benefited uh, U.S. auto companies in terms you know they had pricing power and um, and demand you know was was still strong um, in, in terms of uh, you know consumers favoring uh, in, in the market for autos. We think even as the supply shortages dissipate next year and, you know, the pricing environment becomes less favorable uh, for the companies, they're still set up well in terms of, um, you know, their, their, their balance sheets are in good shape. And, um, you know, over the next few years, the, um, the Inflation Reduction Act and, and you know, its focus on uh, energy tax credits uh, or clean energy tax credits for these companies, I think, should you know boost efforts in the um, EV space as well. So, um, so 
so that was a, kind of the rationale for including a U.S. auto company on the list as well. So, so that sums it up in terms of what we looked at from the uh, the U.S. Uh, domestic uh, issuer point of view. Well, Barry, thank you for hitting on those considerations and the rationale behind the sector preferences. And I will encourage our clients of UBS listening in. You can, of course, contact your UBS financial advisor if you're interested in learning more about the individual securities included within the theme. Though, Donald, to welcome you into the conversation as we begin to close out this morning, can you take a few moments to walk our listeners, our clients through the emerging market trends that you are seeing and why those bonds fit well into this particular theme? Thanks for having me here. Um, yeah, we've seen a, a recovery in the uh, prices of emerging market bonds on the back of uh, recent favorable uh, uh, U.S. inflation readings and report of uh, uh, partial easing of China's stringent uh, COVID-19 measures. Um, we believe that emerging market bonds may continue to recover if, if, these, if, if there is further progress in these microeconomic uh, uh, drivers, which is our base case. Uh, in our base case, uh, spreads for emerging market corporate bonds should narrow over the next uh, six to 12 months from about 400 uh, uh, basis points currently to 350. Uh, now, uh, regionally, Latin America is home to a large uh, uh, number of solid corporate uh, issuers, which could even carry higher uh, credit ratings if uh, domiciled in a higher rated country. Um, and several of these companies register their bonds with the SEC, making them blue sky compliant in most, if not all, U.S. states. Um, these companies enjoy world-class uh, management teams with proven track record in handling different uh, uh, phases of the economic cycle, healthy leverage ratios, uh, uh, debt maturity profiles with very little debt coming due to uh, year-end 2023, the uh, uh, theme basket includes uh, agricultural and mining commodity producers with a global scale, national oil companies, uh, leading media operators, and senior data issued by systemically important financial institutions. And we strongly believe that default risk for all credits included in the theme uh, uh, lies somewhere between very low and low. Well, Donald, Barry, Alina, thank you very much for dropping by top of the morning today to keep our listeners up to speed on the latest update to the short-duration Pan-American Bond Opportunities theme. I will again point our listeners and their clients to the theme update note, which can be located up on UBS.com slash CIO. Though, of course, for our clients of UBS, please reach out to your UBS financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of the note directly. Though, Alina, Barry, Donald, Thank you again for your time today. Wishing you and yours a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you for having us. Thanks very much. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the global wealth management business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash CIO disclaimer. 